Everybody clapping. Well, you, Hi, you least, everybody. You need at least somebody. Yeah, I think that's enough. Welcome to Nertastic in 3D, episode number Bain 20. Bain day. We Bain have day. made it. Made it to the big leagues. I think I said that at 16 18 and 21, 18. I think. Are I'm important. pretty sure every week we get a show out is big time So it's exciting. We it's all good. made it another Guys, week. Guys, congratulations. 20 episodes. Well done. That's awesome. I thought I, we I'm, a, I'm only in for 15. And, <laughs> and. My contract ends in one more episode. Yeah. Renegotiation. <laughs> Renegotiations for sure. And a special shout out to Mr. Josh Labrat. Yeah. Why? Because you came up with the ingenious idea of having a cameras rotating in the <laughs> middle of us. So that you can actually see, get a middle of the group perspective, see our reactions, our discussions. So that's all, Josh. We are going to put a link on to the uh, the device that's making this possible. It is a six dollar, <laughs> six dollar and like forty seven cents solar powered rotating thing. I don't was know what new? else to call it. Did you get it new or was it? Yeah, no, I actually paid for overnight shipping so that it would get here. <laughs> was the overnight ordered... shipping more than what the device cost? No, I mean it was it was three dollars I think for overnight shipping. <laughs> the device was about six is like six dollars and forty something cents, and uh, yeah, so it came to like ten dollars and whatever something cents, and I'm just like it's just so worth it. Awesome, just to make sure it was here because I just wanted it was more the fact I just wanted to see if it worked. Like if we didn't use it for the cameras, would you have this at your desk, like rotating your coffee mug? Ooh, quite possibly. I, I would that that all, I would use it for. I would day, use it for all day long just to see that if it was working. I put my sunglasses on it and just had it like just spinning there. Like <laughs> did, it have enough, did it have enough light to actually work? Oh yeah, it doesn't take much light as long. It's just like uh, if you remember the uh, Texas Instrument. Uh, calculators that were all oh. solar. You know, they worked in all your classrooms or whatever, as long as it's just not, like, pitch black. I have a miniature toy Gleek from the Super Friends that I would more than happily sit on that. Wow, that is nerdtastic. Speaking of which, let's do yes. some quick introductions. My name is Jason Carter. To my left is... Adam McFarlane. Jack Eckler. Sean Fennell. Josh LeBron. And we are the Nerdtastic and 3D crew, here to talk to you about Everything and anything that we pretty much find nerdy. And I think the first thing that we have to discuss today, guys, is something that was announced today, if I'm not mistaken. Google Glass. Sean, you want to take the reins on this one? Google Glass is crazy. So uh, there, there's a video. <laughs> that's it, folks. And and really going to the next topic. You have to take our word for that's it. That's my official review crazy. of Google Glass. <laughs> Ta-da! It's, it's going to rain. So <laughs> People look like ants. Chunky! <laughs> 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 what was I talking about? Google Glass. <laughs> so Google Glass is essentially this <clears throat> this product where you wear a pair of uh, glass frames, and there is a very small glass window attached to the corner of it, and it is essentially um, uh, what do they call it when you have your phone and it, the reality augmented, augmented, augmented reality. reality. It is essentially augmented reality in your eye, and uh, 
pretty much you get an interface and a heads-up display and it's context sensitive so um, in the video they show the guy walking to the subway and then it pops up an alert saying the subway is delayed and he's like oh crap well uh, give me walking directions to blah 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 and it maps it out for him and then it pops up the direction and it says you are this many feet away take a right at this street and he walks over to this place and while he's walking he sees something on the wall and he says oh that's cool take a picture of that and it takes a picture of it he's like share it with my google circles and it shares it with the google circles and and then post it to YouTube. Post it, to, yeah, that type of stuff. Um, so it's essentially just Tweet. walking around Hashtag. with you. <laughs> now, Hashtag subways closed. Don't go this direction. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I understand, um, a group at MIT is working on a contact lens to do very similar things, and they've actually just figured out how to get an image that that rests on the lens of your eye, so that you can focus on it. And the goal is to have this hooked up to the internet, and you can literally like Wikipedia people as you walk down the street. What's the input? I get that that's the display, but what's the input? I'm not sure. Like, is it voice activated? Like, voice like activated, the, the guy yes. was talking to the, oh, the glass. The glass thing contacts. was voice activated. Well, the either, contacts either thing could be blink controlled, or I mean, I That'd suppose be, there's a bunch. You know, of goofy, you look there, you're like, yes, uh, right. <laughs> 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 hey, hold on, what's the what's more? Uh, Especially if you have two of them and you're like doing different things with different yeah. eyes and stuff. Yeah. I think you'd have to stay voice activated somehow. Probably. I think that's the only way it stays. Do the any way of you, he was do doing any of you cool. wear contacts? I don't. No, I wear glasses though. There's a lot of issues with just the contact alone, let alone trying to have an image on it. How I about, mean, how about how about the first gen where it's like ten thousand dollars a contact? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, shit, like, my contact. You don't get it. Made of something like kind of flexible, but not really. So putting them in, you like I broke that one. It's and your and your thirty nine ninety nine Wi Fi subscription. <laughs> no, fuck no. It's like having a sixty five inch plasma in one eye. <laughs> but anyway, two. so back to the I mean back to the glasses. Uh, it had a lot of really cool stuff where it was. Um, I mean, it was like geotag, like you know, you, yeah, you recognize where you're located. Um, <clears throat> you could set up, you could see some sign and say, "Hey, make a schedule an appointment." For yeah, you it was to like remind rem- me to buy tickets. Remind to me to buy blah, tickets blah, blah, blah. for this tonight. The sharing video was the to me. <clears throat> they was did the FaceTime coolest, or like a, some aspect. kind of that was like, a very cool thing. So at the very end of the video, he gets a phone call from his girlfriend, and he's like, "Hey, I'm we're standing assuming up it's on, his girlfriend. We're assuming it's his girlfriend or whatever." He gets a call from someone, and you see her video at the bottom of his screen, and he says, "Hey, check this out. Uh, share video," and it shares what he's looking at. With the person that he's talking to on the call, yeah. so essentially he he looks up and he sees this sunset. Oh, you guys are playing a ukulele. This, this becomes reality. You guys are all screwed. I'm so calling you in the middle of some <laughs> fucked up shit. Decline call. Decline call. Yeah. Hey, Josh, share. Look at this. What the right hell? Here. Exactly. But the thing that's really really interesting to me is just the internet at your fingertips, context sensitive to your everyday life, and walking around and saying. Uh, you know, hey, I've never met you before. We have a job interview, and it does a facial recognition, God, and you have that entire shit. person's background yeah. and IMDb page and Wikipedia stuff just about that things. And it's a very minority <clears throat> report. Yeah, very minority. It totally report. is. Like when they walk out and they little little flash on there. Right. And I mean, you and can imagine eyes. in college settings where you know you're taking exams and so forth, and you have this thing in your eye helping you with all of the problems. Well, that's and that's and that's a good point. It's like, how do you? Never thought of that. That's a genius. You just don't but, let but kids wear no, glasses no, no, no. ever. But that goes the next step further. It's a whole debate I had with somebody not too long ago about the uh, their their disgust for the lack of calculator use uh, in schools once you hit a certain age. Um, how some schools still won't let you use calculators and whether well, they use are, an abacus. No, 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 just paper, so adding paper, hands, whatever, paper whatever you have to do. But there's not a real world, uh, you know. It, it just, I, I, it's hard to fight that nowadays. It's just, it's there's actually there's no real world 
There's actually a really reasons good, not to use it. A really good TED talk about how um, our educational system for mathematics, especially, is built on calculation and not problem solving. Hmm. Um, and he goes into a whole lot of that discussion of like. We have computers to do this job for us. We should let the computers do the calculation and us do the problem solving because mm-hmm. it's the one thing that computers can't do sure. is, is, is reasoning. So we should be able to do the reasoning and come to the conclusion but let the computers do the hard work of – or the monotonous work of crunching those numbers because you don't learn process from calculation. You learn process from problem solving. Huh. And I'm, I, don't, I don't think we're in any uh, – well, at the moment, any uh – should be scared about a, a nuclear holocaust where we're all going to have to go back to the Stone Ages and the smartest die! people, and smartest abacuses. people in the world, are the ones who can use the abacus in their hands and go, <laughs> "My God, Adam's a genius! He can add." I can roll those little it, balls yeah. on that stick all day long. I have like, no idea do what any of those mean, by the way. <laughs> I don't either. Decimals. What? Well, it's they mean whatever you want them to mean, actually. Well, decimals. Well, the way you could use it, abacus. Yes, decimals. I spell out words. <laughs> two <laughs> plus two. Four. Yes. Decimals. Two. Oh, marbles. Your face is a decimal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like Dewey. Decimal. Oh. oh. Come on, guys. I'm bringing so you comedy the, the idea, though, of having, I mean, uh, the when he was walking around, stuff would just pop up. Whether he said anything or not, it'd be like, you got a message. Now, would that you fuck gotta, with you? That's my question. That's is my it's whole like, thing. Would it you really? You. I mean, you'd have your phone times, in your eye. All the yeah. time. Wait, so, so part of so if part of this, I'm sure, was you said yeah. augmented uh, augmented reality, right? So part of it is that there is a graphical overlay of what your eyes actually seeing, correct? Uh, it, it was very minimal. Like it would do, it would yeah. do this. Like you'd, you'd say, "Give me a route to blah 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 bookstore," and it would do the Google Maps for like a fraction of a second, and then it would disappear. So I have a question: What happens when you have a, a two contacts in, and then all of a sudden you get the blue screen of death? <laughs> yeah. What happens when someone throws porn on your You die. Thing? Hey, dude, check you the video out. You walk around with porn. a massive boner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you looking at? Nothing? I just love. I just love it because you can't see from the other side. Nothing. What are you What are you doing, Jack? Why are you staring at me like that? Oh yeah, I'm not staring at anything. So <laughs> I thought of this. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're humping, you, you're humping, you humping the, air. the air. You're humping the air again. <laughs> I thought of this this interesting application that could potentially partake. So say you could actually graphically overlay things on top of the real world, like there was person like form detection and stuff so we did this at dreamworks once when i was there um have you guys ever played that get to know other people at your work or or camp or whatever called, yeah those suck called assassin there's this game called assassin where never done every, it, but I know. everybody yeah. puts a name into a hat and everybody pulls out a different name and everybody gets a squirt gun and your goal is to sneak up on a, the person that you get you draw their name even if you don't know who they are you have to figure out who they are Sneak up on them, squirt them, and then you grab their name, and now your new target is whoever their target was. So it's kind of basically like sort of a game of tag, basically. But I thought the, this kind of technology could be really interesting because, say, everybody like digitally all said, okay, we're going to meet in Manhattan at Times Square, hundreds of thousands of people. Everybody's going to put their name in their hat. Everybody gets one name. And you have no idea what this person looks like. Mass murder. And you get to yet. shoot them. <laughs> and when you shoot with you a take squirt their head. gun, well, with you a take their head. Gun, and when you get their powers, <laughs> no. you move on. So what no. I'm saying is, if you... <laughs> that, that's a TV show. That's assault. <laughs> it, was so, a, it was a movie, thank you very much. Go on, Jason. So if you were to pull a name, and then you had no idea what they would look like, this graphical overlay could actually like highlight them. Oh, hey, there's this little red like outline person in this massive crowd. And then you could kind of go up and try to like sneak up on it. It could be really interesting well, like game in the, in the real world. If you shared your location, I mean, yeah. he did it with that guy in the video. He was like, where's so-and-so? And it was and like, like 250 feet right yeah. outside this way. You're like, 
Okay, that's scary shit. So what yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to sneak up on that guy. Another thing mm-hmm. that was really cool that I was like, ah, that's awesome, is he gets into a store and he oh. says, where's the music section? And it draws an indoor map of the... Because Google is now going inside yeah. businesses. White and, House. And scanning. I saw that video, too. But they're also doing like big businesses and stuff like that where you can... I think eventually get. It's cool. I'm lost in the on, food section. On April 20th, so Skynet became Walmart. aware. Have you guys <laughs> seen you guys. the Google Street View cars? Yeah. yeah like yeah. the thing that sits on top of the car is not inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. It is a big honking thing. It's LIDAR. Bubble. But LIDAR. the coolest yeah, thing LIDAR, is yeah. they've somehow taken that technology and put it into this very small little like sleek tall cart. And that's what like if you watch the yeah. On Devour, we'll try to send out a link. They took it around the White House and they showed this little like promo of the White House. And it's this it's amazing that this thing that was so big on top of a car now fits into this sleek little like cabinet. What's crazy is uh I've literally seen the backpack version that they do inside of oh, yeah, they did a thing like where they're doing restaurants. Volcanoes and stuff well they've done like restaurants too, and it's literally a guy with a backpack and it coming up like this, and he's got some rig where he's got his little like tablet or whatever where he can kind of see it and make sure everything's working. But it's a backpack, and the guy's just walking. He was just walking in. He was talking to business owners. He's like, hey, can we go- do Google, uh, Google, whatever, restaurant view of your restaurant? I wonder how technology like this will help disabled people. Like you know, Stephen Hawking is an extremely smart person, and he's had to hold all of these things, a lot of these calculations and stuff in his head because of his limited physical ability. And he's got, you know, he's got a person that's on his side that's, uh, that's an understudy with him that, like, helps transcribe what he's doing and talking about. He just can't speak very well. I really kind of wondered how some of this yes, type of technology can. would help oh. that type of person. <laughs> he can speak just fine. Thank you. <laughs> that is no special effect, ladies and gentlemen. He that skyped is, in. Stephen Hawking yeah, skyped dude, in. Yeah, skyped in here. That's the real we, stuff, uh, That's our surprise guest for today. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. You were saying. <laughs> I finished my point. <laughs> how would you? How would you? Uh, how would that type of technology help you, Mister Hawking? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't. The the voice right would have problems. I'm sure it would, yes. But uh, from what I understand, I'd say limit te- him even more. From what I understand is he has technology that tracks his iris while he's looking at his screen so that he can he can spell um, and type without the use of his hands, without the use of his Jeez. helper, just by looking across the screen. So, I mean, if they embed some stuff like this into that technology, too, you could potentially operate it completely um, voice-free. They're pretty interesting. Hey, so let's uh, let's shift gears just slightly. I believe one of our listeners wrote in with a question. Sean, is it a friend of yours? Is that right? Yeah, this is a student of mine um, that I used to teach at the Art Institute. Um, of he's where? He's doing games. Art Institute in Santa Ana. Uh-huh. And he's doing game cinematics now as an animation lead, I believe. Where yeah, at? Been Can we say where he works? That? He is part of, um, sorry, my mind is failing me right now, um, uh, Blizzard. He works at Blizzard, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, he emailed me and said, hey, I got a topic, uh, motion capture. Do we feel that motion capture will ever replace keyframe animation as a technique? No. Ever? Ever. Really? Ever. Two completely different styles. That's like, s- that's like somebody going, the computer's going to take away painting. You know, it's just, it's just a different medium. So I'm thinking right. the reason the reason that I would say no is because there are some things currently that we cannot motion capture, right? Like um, name it. Well, we cannot motion capture flying dragons, for example. Um, oh, realistically, Sony tried. 
They tried. <laughs> they killed that one dragon method, when they had that rig on it. No, we tried on Beowulf. And Ray it, Winston it, did it, uh, method acting as a as a dragon. As a dragon. They There's had videos him. somewhere. He's like, <laughs> hold on. How do you method act? A he was, dragon? Oh, exactly. Oh, he, he, was, was, he was in his little harness yes. thing. And, yeah. like, it was supposed to be flying there is around. A, there is a voice. <laughs> oh, wait, this, this happened, folks. This really happened. No, this happened. And there's a voice actor who who does dragon voices. Actually, he contorts Ray his Winston voice doesn't, so it was even stuff. that much more funny. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of very stylized animation styles, extremely difficult, if not impossible, to motion capture properly. Now, um, sure. what I do know is that some people will try making puppets to motion capture characters that are not, you know, human standard size or human physicals. So you can get puppeteers to get in there and try mm. motion capturing puppets. Um, but I also feel like that is going to, for that type of character for that style of animation <coughs> would still be very realistic physically based motion and I don't know how well that would carry over into um, the footage when you finally get it in mm. the one thing too that people don't realize is that <coughs> when you shoot motion capture Josh, it sorry, you, you, you're the only one amongst us that's actually like worked in a, on a mocap stage is that correct Somebody yes. else here? I, I have. You have? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I was a mocap supervisor on the first game I worked okay, on. Okay, so Adam and I are the only ones who haven't worked on a I've seen lots feature. of special yes. features, though. Yes. Surprisingly, <laughs> I know how to but do basically, it. Basically, <laughs> you walk right in and rock it. The big thing is, Leotards. again, when you when you capture it, lots of people just think you pump you pump that into the pipeline, you put a, a you know model on it, a character on it, and it's done. You're good to and go. And that is Facial so beyond. Figures, everything. It's exactly. That is true. so beyond untrue. So, um... Everyone kind of touts Avatar as like the best motion capture experience, and and the, just the delivery on screen is the best motion capture. What people fail to realize, especially ones that aren't in the industry, is there were sixty animators that worked on that movie. Hmm. Those sixty animators were responsible for reanimating, facial animation, cleanup, Clean a up whole thing. bunch of stuff that yeah. um, that film is not one hundred percent motion capture anymore because of those animators. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my two cents into this. I I'm actually gonna slightly disagree. I say slightly because uh, there's a part of this that I think is true and part not. I do think that motion capture will be the death of 3D animation. However, I I use the analogy of 3D animation, like typical CG animation, was the death of 2D animation. There will always be people who are able to to animate in 2D, who are able to draw things and make them come to life that way. There will always be a need for that. There will always be 2D commercials. There will always be uh, uh, 2D graphical user interface elements that require that skill set. However, if you look at the market today, the mainstream thing that's done in animation is CG animation. The amount of 2D versus CG is vastly, vastly different, correct? Yes. And I actually think that... There are going to be cases, Sean, I think you bring up a great point. It's not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to motion capture a lion, I don't think, very easily. Maybe one day. Maybe very easily is a good point. <laughs> um, how about a talking lion? Or right. One, or one that stands like up. Oslan. Right. So I, I think there will always be circumstances where it will require well, 3D animation. Probably not going to be able to motion capture a slug either, or an ant. But or there's also the... Hold on. Sorry, Josh. I just want to finish my thought Go real ahead, quick. Sorry. Which is... Um, I do think, though, that motion capture is going to become much, much more of a daily part of our lives, and the mainstream of capturing animation, for lack of a better word, like basically capturing uh, human motion contact, uh, content versus creating it, I think it will, the majority of what you will see out there is captured versus created. 
Well, to piggyback, I mean, there, okay, I have two things from what you just said. One, um, with keyframed animation and stuff like that, yes, there are things you cannot, you know, easily capture. One, and at the same time, too, like animation of 2D, I'm sorry, not 2D, but uh, keyframed animation, like you can't squash and stretch a character in motion capture. Like I said, it is just, it is two different types of medium. You will get a realistic person sitting down. You will get this realistic animation that you don't get with 2D, uh, with uh, CG, um, keyframed. You know, so there it's always just a style. Again, it is just a form of medium. And now with you saying that that's where you see it going because it's going to become part of our everyday life. At the same time, it kind of is already like with the connect. The connect does read you and it draws a pseudo skeleton for you in its processor. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's how it's driving. It's, you know, it, it, driving its. uh What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, Avatar recognition. Yeah, recognition. Thank you. Um, and and so like it's in your home right now. It's like a pseudo small, very you know cheaply done motion capture camera. What I do think we're going to see is I think we're going to see advancements in the technology of how how we capture data to the point where Sean, you hit one portion that I think is important cleanup right so so much of avatar was actually taking motion capture data and cleaning it up so that it looked better because the current way we capture things the current limitations with capture uh, setups means that there there needs to be a person to go in there and clean that up i think that in particular is in danger of disappearing i think the technology will advance to a point where somebody can throw on a suit it'll drive a mesh and it will be as close to flawless as things are now. I think no. technology will go farther than that. I think technology will will be so that you don't need a suit anymore. I think where we're going with motion capture in the future is like RIDF. Mm. You can just tag someone up with diodes that directly talk GPS information back to the computer. And it's I mean, they've super done accurate, <coughs> but it's really expensive and not feasible right now. Right. So the optical solution mm -hmm. is the best solution that they're huh. using right but now. Even with that, too, they, they, have, they try to do it with Alice. Mm -hmm. the, the beginning of Alice, but the problem that they were running into was the lag of, you know, when you have something that's <clears throat> optical and you have the cameras capturing it like that. Speed of light. You know, yeah. And so you can do quick dart movements and it's capturing that. Sure. When you do the, you know, when you have the electrodes on like that and, and you're doing it, uh, what uh, interpolation that it's doing, if you stop. And it's then, also the speed of light is just different frequency. Yeah. If you stop and then you go back the other way, the... You know, interpolation will sit there and think you're going farther. So it's going to try to recalculate, oh, and all of a sudden you become this kind of swimmy motion because it's not stopping on a dime <clears throat> as if you would with you have. I wonder if that's a sampling rate problem because I'm, I'm assuming that they have to sample the signal every so often, certain number of hertz or whatever. Yeah. And if that was increased, then it would be a much more so that's locked in signal. They were having so much problems <clears throat> with that on Alice that they got rid of it and yeah. then moved. Like I was saying, I think we'll go that way. I just don't think we're there yet. But um, one of the things that I want to mention is um, motion capture has shown itself a lot throughout VFX, you know, films, um, video games, a lot of that stuff where you really are looking for a very realistic thing. Sure. You're capturing a very realistic thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, it, I know it's used a lot as reference for character animators to get their timing and hit poses and just kind of Which is realize their performance, and it's an awesome tool, but... It's not a replacement for what character animators can do. Really talented animators can put more emotion into that character right now than an actor can in a lot of situations. Unless you have 
the gigantic budget that James Cameron has to be able to capture extremely minute things, which still need to be really, really cleaned up. And the thing is, I don't even, I know how you said it's probably going to, you know, change it so that it's going to be even tighter and it's just going to be 100%. I don't see that it can because of the fact of, you know, the reason for motion capture is that you can have a seven-foot person play a two-foot character Mm -hmm. or a, you know, 110-pound guy play a 400-pound man. And the thing is, with our movements, with this, you know, you have to be just this completely different body. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of the cleanup does happen. It's just, you know, hands are going through legs just because the model is so much more different than what the actual actor is. So having that, I don't know if that's ever, ever going to be one-to-one while they ever capture. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've been thinking about it. It's probably not that big of a deal, but the way you marker someone up is you marker around joints and and like fatty and muscly parts of the character's body so those markers are actually shifting all the time because your body weight is jiggling like you're actually like your inertia (coughs) is causing your muscles to move around i don't jiggle so there's there's (laughs) a certain amount of noise in there if you could actually get all the way down to where the joint is doing its job and record that it would be more accurate sure we used to have more painful we used to have horrible (laughs) um problems with when you actually have a suit and the suit shifts you know, people yeah. would have a head marker. Oh, yeah. You know, we'd have a helmet. Around. And then, like, they take it off and they put it on. All of a sudden, it's at, like, 30 <laughs> degrees different. <laughs> so now everything is there. just over here. It's yeah. just like, no, you can't do that. You have to. <laughs> and uh, I even tried. I even tested it out just on skin. I just wore just bicycle shorts. Yeah. And that was it. And I had these, the, you know, the medical adhesive things that mm-hmm. they do for, uh, like, monitoring. We just did that all over my body with markers. And it sucked. There is also something like, uh, especially uh, capturing animals, for example. So animators can animate an animal to do exactly what they want it to do. They pretty much have full control Mm -hmm. over that character. But if you marker up an animal, you (laughs) cannot get that animal to land on the same foot when you need it to land on the same foot. So it really is an extremely arduous task to produce (laughs) cyclical animation Mm -hmm. from those types of um, from those types of motions. Like horse, uh, they captured horses on Beowulf, right? And it must have been kind of a nightmare to use a lot of that data because horses don't ever stop the same way that they did the last time. And they use different feet to do different things at certain times. So trying to get all that stuff to hook up and and Mm -hmm. work across different takes, it's probably got to be a nightmare. You you definitely don't do different takes with it. (laughs) Um, That that was one thing because their upper body, you know, when they were on the on the horses with their characters moving around. Oh, God, it's got to it's this is timed with your base like. You know, if you tried to do it, it would just be a hell of a fucking mess to do. Yeah. But I remember the um, the horse rig that they that they had built was a real pain in the ass. Hmm. You know, but the actual data that came out of it was really solid, and you know, the horse was moving. It wasn't for a long time, though. No, yeah, definitely, it, it took a while. Are there, there are people that are trying to figure out how to motion capture snakes, stuff like that. That's I just did, a lot of this stuff sounds cool, but I really question how feasible it is sure so sorry i'm just going to move us uh move us along jack i'm going to put you on the spot here for a moment to uh there was a tra- there was a trailer that came out this week that i know you we all thought was awesome but you in particular what, thought what? was really really cool i mean honestly I, I the biggest reason i thought it was cool is because i thought it was gonna be shit <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's uh the total recall trailer the full length one 
you know, re- studios remake movies because we're out of ideas, obviously, in Hollywood, and and uh, they're scared. They love revisiting films that were successful, and well, they don't want to. They don't want to take a risk. They well, the, make the dem- money no, the demographic of people now are of age who thought it was cool as a kid. Now are old adults who make money and can go see movies again. So they're trying to cash in on that. And there's part, a, part of that's you there's know. a funny line in Twenty One Jump Street where they make fun of the <laughs> fact that they're making a remake of yeah. an old movie, which is like, yeah, this is something that they're trying we just to pull ran out ideas. Ran out ideas. They f- they figure we wouldn't remember or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which that movie was actually surprisingly funny. Really Sidebar. funny. Really funny. That's what, yeah. That's what everybody so, was saying. Continue. No, it's just I. You know, you your expectations in those scenarios are very very low and. uh that trailer looked fun as hell. Like, it yeah. just, yeah, the acting, the, Some the expect- action. Surprising, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Some expectations tend to be actually really high, too. Because of the fact, I think the big also selling point to studios is a, a lot of these remakes that, that happened, too, um, were movies where effects were very <laughs> cheaply done. Because, I mean, they were good for the time, yeah. but very, you know, d- you know, poorly done. I mean, Total Recall is actually really good. In my opinion, at that time, with the uh, the prosthetics that they did and you know, the, the practical effects. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Are there any particular prosthetics you're talking a about? Ceramic here, prosthetic, if you will, <laughs> or a, a, a paper mache one. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. um, ceramic. <laughs> three well, boobs. Three boobs. Three boobs. Three boobs. Three boobs. People. Well, we're we're hoping for five in this next one. <laughs> remake. Add some six, more boobs. Six pack. Six. Yeah. But those, I mean, that's a huge drive. Look at uh, Clash of the Titans. Maybe it might not have been the most amazing <laughs> epic movie of you know stature that we all thought it might be. But in terms of look wise, it was pretty, pretty impressive. And that's what you know drove a lot of the uh, put Liam Neeson in something and people come running. Exactly. But I mean, you have this whole. What about you, know, you have a story. You have yeah. this thing where it could be made to look awesome. And same thing with Total Rico, which by the way, it looks like it only really took the base premise of the fact that he doesn't know if he's in reality or if it's <laughs> a memory. Besides that, like it seems like nothing is the same as the original. Yeah. Kind of makes me wonder if they're eventually going to remake the whole Lord of the Rings like everything like 20 years from now. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely they will. There's a ton of money to be made there, I'm sure. Probably. So, uh, you know, I saw it and I definitely uh, concur with you guys. Like it was it was surprisingly good for sure like i didn't have any expectations honestly didn't even know they were redoing it so saw it and was like oh this is this looks pretty cool um i will say this i was one thing struck me which is the production design in the movie really seemed like a ripoff of minority report and to that end i will say i don't know that that's necessarily a um, a bad thing for total recall as much as it is a really revolutionary thing for the production designer of minority report I mean, I, I, I still think that people think about Minority Report and think, like, that is what we want computers to be one day, and that's what we want cars to be one day. Like, it was so forward-thinking and so uh, imaginative that I, I'm not surprised that something else reminds when me of that. When was Minority Report? I don't know. Do, have you seen the extras ago? on that where yeah. Steven Spielberg talks about how they got just to a room with everybody that was, you know, yeah. scientist people that thought where actually this is genuinely – what the future would essentially Futurist, be like right. or, you know, could be like in these, yeah. we- like the, se- the sound weapon, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like spun, like all that stuff was theoretically, you know, possible or it will be possible. Kind of makes me wonder if there are any, any off limits movies that like Hollywood is not going to go back and touch, <laughs> you know, like Kubrick S type stuff where you really like will E.T. Not- Do we think we're going to yeah. see E.T. again? Well, I mean, E.T. was revamped sure. a little bit, right? When he re-released it. 
you know he changed some things changed and some things but uh and the titanic like there he's he went in and corrected some details that he he found <laughs> were wrong later on i actually found out listening to the radio this morning that while they're uh, while they're like floating on the door or whatever it is and they look up in the sky um uh what's the degrassi guy the physicist um uh, william degrassi Tyson or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he pointed out that the sky was the wrong sky for that hemisphere and flipped. So I guess James Cameron is going back in to replace that oh, star shit. sky with an accurate representation of to it. To fix for the 1% of society who realized that was the wrong sky. Uh, but knowing they, James Cameron, you know that would just eat Do they, oh, no, did they fix wrong, the part right? when that dumb bee threw the, threw the thing off the edge when all Bill Paxton wanted was it? Like, did, did you <laughs> fix that shit? Hey, speaking of movie oh, remakes, <laughs> some interesting, I think, semi-news, Hollywood news that I heard this week. You know how there's this big trend to remake movies into 3D to post-convert these movies? 3D! Apparently, Titanic, Bang. so the an- 100th anniversary of Titanic sinking is coming up uh, soon this month. And, right? It hasn't passed, right? I don't think so, no. I mean, right. I try to celebrate just the odd So The film releases thing, tomorrow, so right? What the the uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's Yeah, the re-release is this week, I believe. So they're putting it out in 3D, <laughs> and apparently they believe it's going to be so successful for the money that they put into it that they just announced, or... I don't know if it's been officially announced, but we're announcing they're turning Jurassic Park into a 3D movie. Really? Oh, I thought you were going to say Titanic 2. Post-converting Jurassic Park. They're going to really go down and get the Titanic. Clever girl. They're taking, it Raise so, it and Sean, you, sink it again. Yeah. You made me think of that because in my mind, I think as a as a visual effects nerd. Yeah, it's definitely a staple in the that visual That is my absolutely. 100%. Staple, staple for yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah, that movie right there. And if there's a, it has stood the test me. of time all absolutely. the way up until now. Totally, completely agree. Yeah. And it's one of the first. And I think that uh, if there is a movie that shouldn't be touched, that is like the untouchable movie for me. That's one of them in the visual effects. Kind of makes me wonder if they're going to make it shittier. <laughs> like the like one? if it's good gimmicks. Let's say let's say then. they go back and remake Jurassic Park. And it's exactly the same shot for shot, but they do new CG. Will it look shittier? Than it did back then when they first did it. It depends if they cast Mark Ruffalo in the, in the main <laughs> role. Because the newer ones, I got no problems with Mark. The newer Ruffalo. ones don't seem <laughs> as grounded in reality. Like the dinosaurs that they developed for the newer Jurassic Park movies don't seem as grounded in reality as the ones they didn't seem as realistic. Although they looked more detailed and everything. I'm to me, I'm gonna guess, and I, I think this <clears throat> maybe we're granting some interesting territory here, but. The success of Jurassic Park for me was the blend. It wasn't the visual effects. It was the blend of puppetry and visual effects. I think that was truly what made it remarkable. And I think the uh, other two movies lost that, right? So in Jurassic Park 1, there was a tremendous amount of puppetry. Mm-hmm. And there was a tremendous amount of input from Phil Tippett on on like puppetry and stop-motion animation kind of techniques and that kind of motion and movement. And they combined that with CG and that combination made this really revolutionary thing. And I think the puppetry and, and the real models, the real Tyrannosaurus Rex they made, made it seem realistic. And I think they lost that in the second ones because it was pretty much all CG because that was much cheaper to do. And I think it shows. Yep. Also, the story got worse. Way worse. <laughs> Adam. Yeah. So you were very kind. And for Christmas this last year, you got me a set of surround sound gaming headphones oh i was like Where actually i should say i don't think you got them i think you suggested my wife get them for me but <laughs> i was i was 95 percent of the driving force behind that but besides the money i admit that it took me a while to bust them out but once i did everybody remembers when christmas is right yeah well december I bust them out <laughs> of last year three weeks ago so just everybody remembers like it is now april 
fourth. Fourth. <laughs> I bust them out like three weeks Third. ago. But anyways, so I put them. I put them on, and I have to say <laughs> something I, unexpected. And I know this is what they were they were designed for, but <laughs> they surrounded you with sound. They did. No, um, I I am amazed at the games that I've played and what I've missed because I haven't been hearing, like truly hearing the nuance. Well, you hear tons of background characters of and sound. their actual dialogue yeah. and everything like that too. It is amazing to the point where I was like, what are my favorite games? I want to go back and play those games. And it is, in my opinion, a go. more immersive experience. Absolutely. Go listen to Nine Inch Nails albums too while you're at it. Yeah. With there is surround a lot sound of stuff headphones? that you miss without headphones. Yes. That dude is a freaking genius. It's it's pretty interesting. And this is a bigger conversation, Adam. But I, I'm curious your thoughts as to like, there's a whole art form of obviously sound design for movies. But I feel like sound design in games is something that kind of gets overlooked, right? Uh, absolutely. And I mean, I uh, uh, since I think I got my first surround sound when I was I don't know a freshman in college, and it, uh, movies, video games, anything. I can't watch listening, watching in stereo is is miserable. I mean, the games in particular where you are involved in them and they're sometimes even more immersive than a movie, it's it's those subtle sound cues. And um, I obviously play a lot of first-person shooters. And any game, though, that is well-designed and sound, you literally can be walking and you'll be hearing footsteps to your left and you'll, be, you'll you know, scan to your left and you'll, you'll hear things and, and cues that can tip you off where people are coming. And uh, without a doubt, the preference, I mean, good sound is... is critical for a, a, a game or movie enjoyment there's a, a term in like uh, modern warfare so those people who don't know sound whoring yeah where you are listening specifically for people coming at you so you can react to them before they expect you to because there are perks in the game where it's like their footsteps are louder and you are quieter so you will just sit there in a corner and just you know yeah. that traffic is going to be coming here and you hear tuk, 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 and you just go back and stick it's really amazing. I mean, you know, I, I, I have to admit I always assumed that there were people out there designing and putting this stuff into this, uh, putting sound design into games. But I guess I apologize to any sound designers out there in games because I never really fully in, I mean, enjoyed the, it. There's a, there, I mean, surround sound is fantastic, and I don't want to play games without it, but playing with like a legit pair of headphones like surround headphones you know it's a completely different one, experience one of the games you mean that surround I remember, or not uh, like surround or otherwise using headphones versus speakers well i think legit things. i mean headphones that have the drivers and the you know that you yeah. can actually di differentiate between you know front left rear left uh, are going to be different than just my stereo headphones i'm wearing right now one of the games that i remember sound having such a dramatic impact on the gameplay experience was um the first alien vs predator that released on the PC, um, mainly because you'd go through the Marine campaign and you would have the motion sensor. It was like you were inside Aliens with the, the with the the super gun and face huggers running around and leaping at you. And it was terrifying, um, but really gratifying experience to feel like you were inside that movie playing it. Um, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Scare expensive. the shit out of you. <laughs> well, that's the games. Like some of those games, I remember. Uh, God, what was it? Uh, Condemned for the Xbox. Oh God, yeah. Like one of the first games that came out for the Xbox, and you're like a detective, and you're in this decrepit, some you know, metropolitan said, area. Everyone's oh, going, and you're going after like, no and you all your your weapons are like two by fours with nails and and pipes you rip off the wall. And I remember legit, like sitting in my dorm room, 
and it wasn't even my Xbox, but I was the one that had the biggest TV, so and the surround sound. So we brought it into my room, and it's dark, and there's like like eight of us guys sitting in there, and I'm standing on my bed, and it is probably one of the most terrifying experiences ever because it's it's because it's a bunch of it's dudes the combination of I mean yeah, and then most of us <laughs> weren't wearing pants, but it's fine. Um, but no, seriously, it's it's that combination of of sound, but then the lack of sound, and then you're hearing sound all around you, and you're, you know, you hear behind you, you hear the, the dragging of whatever weapon some, you know, drugged up guy has, and so you're turning yeah, around. you hear and, a guy whispering. Yeah, you, and, and you it's turn like, around, and he, you uh, see him run by. And it, it is that immersion that surround sound can do over just a giant screen. That, to, to that Dead end, Space is infamous for that. Yeah, to that it's end, scary. I was going to say, is there a game like, has anyone here played Left 4 Dead or Left 4 Dead 2 with, yeah. with surround sound headphones? Not uh, with, uh, with the not headphones. Because I wonder if that would be a... If that would change, it'd be a more terrifying experience to hear like zombie Maybe. sounds creeping yeah. around you. Um, so, on a similar kind of subject, uh, this is sound design, as in like kind of the the actual design to <coughs> sound effects and the dialogue and things of that nature. What about music? Are there any gaming soundtracks or gaming uh, music that really stands out for you guys as I helping think, to pave the way of the game? I think Halo was really, yeah. really good at implementing music at very key points in the campaign storyline. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd you'd. It'd kind of be a little dull, and you'd be shooting people and blah, 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 and you'd hear or, 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 and all that shit. And, but then you'd hit some checkpoint, and the music would kick in. You'd be like, yeah. amped. I'm amped now. I'm going to go that, kill some aliens. That's one of the first games I think I ever remember of it actually being sold. Like, this is the soundtrack yeah. to the game. And like it was, I, a, that I it was have. a separate yeah, product. They had volume one, and then yeah. they had volume two, and then each game... You know, I think was it the second? Yeah, <laughs> Marty McDonald. Marty yeah. McDonald, I think, is is who did it. Yeah, who did it? Yeah. And then, like they, you know, then they started bringing in even like bands to do it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incubus, I think, is on it. Yeah. Uh, breaking, uh, Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree. That was that was a uh, uh, pinnacle, I think, for game soundtracks. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else stand out in your guys' mind? I mean, is that as the far one? As soundtrack. I mean, that. Uh, to me, that was the beginning. That was a staple, and then like more, um, you know, more games started to take cue from that because of the success yeah. that it had. So, I'm gonna you, actually. Th- I don't think anything has affected me the way that Halo has because what I find myself doing now with more games is I put on my own music while I'm playing that game because I feel like it's just not it's not helping the game play the story the experience. So I want my own thing to work that out. I totally do that too. You know, there's one, this is really going to surprise you guys. I know this will coming from me, but there is one soundtrack of more recent time than the first Halo that I think is worth mentioning, which is Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which is uh, Hans Zimmer. That was the first time they got Hans Zimmer involved, if I understand correctly. And I really think that elevated that franchise to something beyond first-person shooter into its own, like, not genre, but it's, it's a it's a franchise now. Like it is taken it to an actual art form. It's put it in like it's not just something we're going to crank out. It is like really like something substantial. I think in the industry that was something that helped well, solidify that. And for, I think if nothing me. else, it's it's showing the I don't know, validity of video games as an art form. Very true. Yeah, good point. Um, one of these cameras, I think, just shut off, but that's cool. It's beeping like it's going to crash. Not this uh, one. Oh, it is this yeah, one. Bye. Uh, wah, wah. <laughs> um. But I think it, it it brings the art. I mean, the video games as more of an art form. When you, when you're saying we're going to put this money, I mean, well, hiring Hans Zimmer is not cheap. Exactly. So it it, it shows <laughs> and his super hot violinists, obviously, <laughs> all nineteen of them. Um, 
But it shows the, uh, I mean, how much they're putting, how much, you know, stock they're putting into video games and the experience as a whole when it's like, yeah, we're going to pay the money to do this part of it. And I think that's very cool. So question to the group. If you were a soundtrack. No, <laughs> if you were, if you had your choice with a video game to go with better sound and music or better visuals, which way would you go at this point? Wow. Uh, You're talking in the design of the game. Yeah. Not even just in, in how I consume it. Or even in just, it, you're looking at two different games that have those two different features. What would yeah. sway you? Jeez. That's a tough one. Yeah. I I don't know that I can say like 100% that this is my answer, but I, I'm so right now enthralled by sound because it's new for me. Um, I will say... Jason's a, been deaf up until about three <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> I will say, you know, we all work in the graphics industry. Obviously, graphics, visuals are very important to us. But, man, sound is something I've been taking for granted, and that is that is cool. It's it's a hot thing for sure. So I, I'm not sure. I might say sound right now. I might say I'd, I'd prefer better music and sound. I th- uh, yeah, I think I'd probably agree. Let me put it this way. Uh, there's a, like, a um, not Black Ops. It was the one that... that Treyarch did before Black Ops, the first uh, Nazi zombies. Um, World at War. World at War. Uh, so, uh, World at War, great visuals. I don't think super memorable sound design. Mm. I would rather go back and play the original Halo on the original Xbox with super crappy graphics to compared to today's standards, but with really good sound design <coughs> and great that, music. That doesn't. That's not fair because that gameplay was better too. <laughs> 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 I think at this point, I would really. I would really like to get a game that has some of the artists as the music track. Like, I don't know, Trent Reznor and um, uh, Atticus Stone, is that his name? The two guys that did the music for... Um, for um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo? No, 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 the the uh, freaking the Facebook movie, whatever. Social Network. Social Network. Network. Like, mm. if, if groups like that got together to design yeah. the music for a game, that would totally sway me. Because I'm like, I'm already a fan. I know that you guys do good work. You're translating that work for film into an experience and a game that I can interact with. I think I think that would sway me. Um, we've got a lot of amazing graphics games right now, and it's just getting better. Um, yeah, I'd like There's I'd love to see much some. Of a push for I would love to see some time and money spent on yeah. the the music, not the sound. I think we're there with the sound, but the music for the games. <laughs> see, I'm I, nervous about the fact of, you know. I was kind of taking the question of. Remember when you go, would you want either your sight or your, <laughs> you know, sight or smell? Which one would you want more? Mm. Like if you had to lose one. Um, because you can have amazing sound in a shitty game. It's not going to make you want to yeah. play that game. You know, to, to me, the sound <laughs> and the storytelling. Well, I posted it as a as, I, the, the question that I, I so I refactored is you have two games in your hand. You want to play both of them. Which one? You're, you're not concerned about the gameplay of both of them. You're not concerned about. Yeah. And, the, and I, I want to. Yeah. I want to be clear. Your original question was not. No, it gameplay was not. versus sound. Your original question was visuals. Yes. Versus sound. Yeah. That's so, why I brought up the Halo analogy. Is regardless yeah. of which gameplay is better, the visual sucked in Halo compared to today's standard. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather go play which that because of the sound. Why they released a Halo anniversary? But at the same time, at the time when it came out, it looked great. That's true. Because we didn't know, you know, yeah. That's very, very true. But yeah, take gameplay out of the. Let's assume that the gameplay will be what you want. But which would sway you to the title? Would it be audio or would it be 
visual. Let's take it back to, to oh sorry, Adam. Jeff. I should say it would be hard. No, he hasn't answered yet. I'm not taking. Oh, him sorry. Off yeah, <laughs> I'm taking you off the hot seat. Damn it. Um, I would have to say, uh, and it's not going to be shitty. It's not going to be shitty visuals. It's not going to be like, hey, here's an N64. Yeah. It like, just won't be super next gen visuals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's not like you're like all of a sudden watching you where you can kind of can't tell what the turtle is racing around in Mario Kart on it. Yeah. Plasma, which I've done. Just a bunch hard. of sprites in your face. It's really hard. Really quick, is it that the. Because <laughs> hey, I clar- wanna, Clarifying's good. Cl- clarifying here. Um, we love to clarify yes, questions. We do love to clarify. The. Uh, does this. <laughs> does this. Uh, God, how do how do I put this? Does the game? Uh, Would you like Adam to answer, and we can come back to you? <laughs> Go ahead and come back to me because I'm trying to figure out. I how to already answered. Right, okay, Josh. So All right, back to, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, man. I, I, I think I will no. accept. I don't know. I, I'm, no, I'll I'm buy go, both I'm of gonna, them. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go visuals, actually, right now. All right. Fair nice. Enough. I mean, you're wrong, but that's cool. So even, though, even though I was uh, I was in the sound uh, state, or not stage, but it was kind of a recording uh, area uh, booth, if you will, uh, for God of War 2. Uh. And I was going over the – I didn't – I was working for Sony San Diego at the time, and, and they were doing a lot of the sound for God of War 2. And so I went in just to kind of, you know – talk to the guy and just I wanted to get his you know kind of not input but you know just his uh his knowledge if you will uh, of the sound and he's he was doing the chains for oh, every time cool. Kratos did mm. these things and like he's fully, like oh. fully chains well no, no that's the thing he was uh have you ever seen you know when they do Jurassic Park like the sound of the Velociraptor is a combination between you know a lion of this and this and this, yeah, and this, yeah, this. Yeah. so he's so building he, his library he's that he built that yeah he has this thing and like it was you know, every move had a complete different sound when it came to That's it. That's cool. So he was like, oh, this is like one swipe. And he's like showing me. And it's like, and it was so fucking loud in there, too. And it's just like, and I was just like, oh, oh my God, this is so cool right now. It was impressive. And so I, when I think of game design and game sound, that, that kind of experience always comes to mind. I'm just like, that is so cool. And, you know, I would definitely miss out if, uh, if that stuff was not there. But, you know, we just... I don't think so much of that gets translated into mm. games very well to to really sure. in, you know enjoy that experience. I want to slightly switch gears towards uh, movie soundtracks here. I, I think if you look at at composers, uh, movie score composers, there's two that really stand out as the pinnacle of of what that art form is. I think John Williams is obviously yeah. one, right? And then I think that Hans Zimmer is is the next one. I think that those two guys, this is just my opinion, are kind of the top tier of movie score composers and, and have done some of the most influential and, and biggest movies of our day. That being said, there's uh, analyzing their work just for a second, I have found that Hans Zimmer creates music. Now, I'm going to word this very carefully and hear me out here. That better fits with the movies that he scores for than John Williams. However, John Williams creates timeless music that you will remember for the rest of your life. Here's my point. If I asked you to hum Whoa. the theme song for The Rock, I'm not sure that you that everyone could. 
If I asked you to hum the theme song for Indiana Jones, everyone <laughs> well, could. That's because he takes the Peter and the Wolf approach where he has a theme for every major character archetype in the film. And he builds this language in music that Hans Zimmer doesn't he doesn't approach the film the same way, I don't yeah. think. And for people that don't know, you know, who these people are, if you have any listeners, Name off some of the movies uh, good point. That, that each one has done that maybe people would know, oh, this to this. So John Williams is kind of Steven Spielberg's guy. He's done E.T., Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park. Um, Star Wars. Star, Star Wars. Wars, thank you. Uh, Hans Zimmer has done a lot of the Michael Bay movies. He did uh, The Rock. I believe he did Con Air. Uh, he's done um, some of the Modern Warfare games as of late. Does a, he's, uh, his, some DreamWorks movies. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of the DreamWorks who the first, movies. Who did the first Pirates? Uh, Klaus Baldet, I believe oh, his name yeah. is. But Hans Zimmer took over for Dead Man's Chest and, right. and Klaus Beyond. Did, Klaus did the, the Jack Sparrow theme. Which is interesting because if you really analyze those, it's a similar thing. Yeah. If you really think about the themes and the memorable music in the Pirates franchise, it's actually stuff from the first movie, not yeah. from the others. Mm-hmm. But here's my point. That's not to belittle either one. I think they're two completely different styles. But if you look at Hans's music and you watch one of his movies... I believe that Hans's whole mentality is the music should not distract. It should not be memorable. It should be seamless. It should enhance the emotional response it should be, for that. Exactly. Moment. It should be immersive. And I'm not sure John Williams's approach is the same. I believe his is I want to create music that's memorable for characters and memorable for moments. Not it's necessarily like a theme, it's seamless. It's like a theme song. Right, he's creating like the theme what? song, like you know. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Co stanza, co stanza. Folgers in your. But I, I want to know what John Williams has done. Like Harry since. Potter, but I think he's I, done the Harry I, Potter I th- ones. I think is his latest oh. stuff. I think yeah. with Hans Zimmer's uh, Inception, he really did oh, kind of. Yeah. Everybody, brah, like when that, oh, that trailer was, came yeah. out, and it was just the that low, brah. But that was, uh, he wove that stuff so into the thread of the story that oh, I totally. agree with Jason. Like he definitely takes a different approach to his musical design. And that's why I say film. I think my original statement is is Hans's music seems to fit He's telling a story with his music. Yeah, it seems yeah. to fit with the music, the movie better, and mm. it, it's a more immersive, and yet. I would rather go back and listen to a John Williams soundtrack than I would a Hans Zimmer Here's, soundtrack. I mean, Who did the Gladiator soundtrack? Uh, Henry Howard Shore. Howard, Sh- no, Henry Gregson uh, Williams. Harry Gregson Williams. Ha- whatever. All right. So I believe works Adam. for. I believe <laughs> for fucking pulling that idea. Also yeah. did. Yeah. Also yeah. did. Well done, all, Harry also did How to Train Your Dragon. Impressive, uh, sir. Interesting <laughs> side note, uh, awesome which I think really there. stems from why Jason loves John Williams so much is he's done all the Lego. Video games. <laughs> That's because all the Lego video games are really Based just music from his, the, from his movies. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think that's really where it stems from. Let me just put it this way: Legos. I, here's an interesting thing. We we've had uh, the guys who worked at DreamWorks had a really incredible experience uh, once, which is Hans Zimmer, who mm. we have has a very special relationship with DreamWorks, brought a whole bunch of his uh, artists and performers that he works with, uh, some of his composers, and they actually performed... And his hot violinists. ...live on the on the roof of the parking structure at DreamWorks Animation. Really quick, though, we got to see this at DreamWorks as a celebration for adding an expansion <laughs> onto the parking structure. We were celebrating... More like parking? 20 more spots on each level of a five-level... And, well, and, uh, and hey, why wouldn't, fight why wouldn't you celebrate that with bringing Hans Zimmer in yeah, and playing this was music? a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity experience that we got to enjoy, and it was 
It was fucking amazing. It was it was absolutely amazing. I completely agree. Now here's the interesting thing: Hans does not play live. Like that, you can't just go no. to a concert and and see Hans perform live. Every year, John Williams puts on a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. Every single yeah. year, and every year it sells out. And I think there's something interesting there because we I've experienced both. I don't know if you guys have seen John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl, but two very different experiences. But here's what I come away with: I left. Hans Zimmer thinking that was a once in a lifetime opportunity what an incredible thing to see this man perform his own songs live and yet I don't remember a single song that was played (laughs) however when I go to John Williams (laughs) but how did you feel uh, it felt amazing it was incredible but when I go to the John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl and he you know does his encore with Star Wars and every single person in the audience busts out a a multicolored lightsaber bonkers it is it is this incredible <coughs> communal experience, and I think it's because his music, his themes, are so memorable and have touched so many people. It's very interesting. It's like a theme song. Like, it is yeah. something you go to and you remember. So it's just like, you know, an 80s pop hit. Everybody's going to know. You know, everything falling, is Falling, falling. Just like the uh, video. Falling, falling. What's a video games live? Yeah. You know, that that is played with the orchestra, and it's played these songs. Yeah. Be, you know, to the Mario theme. Everybody knows, like, a Mario yeah. theme. Here's, I mean, like, what the solic- the songs, I mean, besides, jeez, uh, 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 Jack Sparrow. You sound like me right there um, trying to figure out songs. Name Name John Williams songs that you know. Like, the, the big ones. Name them. Wait, hold on. Jack Sparrow was not done by John Williams. Right, I mean, sorry, but I mean, like, so name John Williams songs. That you're, that the you're, Indiana Jones okay. game song, the March Jurassic of the Park, March of the Stormtroopers, okay. okay, the Imperial, the Imperial, Imperial, Mar- Imperial March. That's what I meant. My my point is is <laughs> is what what happened '80s that that isn't happening now. Like why were the montages? That I, were, I, that I would montages. say I could remember like, very easily it, the Harry Potter theme song, okay, and that something that came out. Go. Nice. Oh, you wanted to I even knew that one. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, uh, I just was wondering. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was just an interesting thing. I was wondering, John Williams. You you were wondering if it was time for this? I don't know. Yeah, like the movies that, I mean, Indiana Jones, obviously, without a doubt, uh, is super uh, memorable. Everybody. And I think uh, the ones that I could hum right now, cold, hark back to a little bit more of the older stuff. Uh, I'm impressed with the Harry Potter, but things that I could recognize. Are are even more recent. Wait, are you talking about '80s stuff or no? Now but I'm saying stuff? like John Williams stuff, like stuff that if I said right, right, hum right. the theme song to the e. you know Batman, Dark Knight, you know, oh, or yeah. you know like something like that, or you know even Inception. Besides going, <laughs> 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 um, I think, I mean, he created more iconic songs to more iconic movies, movies, and I don't know if. If, I don't know that I agree with that. 100%. I don't know. That, that's a, that's just an interest, that's what I was just wondering is is and it's these these people these these John Williams and obviously they're super super talented and it's this cyclical thing where they keep getting drawn back into the movies that that are going to be super successful and then they're right. you know it's because like, they because they partner with the same type of directors right who make this type of movie right who and make so this and it's like and so, anytime they come out with a movie like Spielberg comes out with a movie yeah, yeah. he's like I'm going to go to John Williams of, first exactly. same thing where they they hook up with that with the yeah. actors that they like they hook and up with you know it's not like i, I want to like. say that i want to take any credit away from these guys because they're they're obviously fantastic and and if they had any ounce of suckage in them they probably wouldn't still be doing it okay so real quick <laughs> okay cool just yeah that's I, I wasn't in the middle of the thoughts so that's cool <laughs> interesting that that works for you guys but whenever you interrupt <laughs> no, me it doesn't work no that's cool what's up continue no no i'm good hey, me too <laughs> 
Yeah, that's just what we need is some dead air. Exactly. Right now. Way to go, right now. Yeah. Uh, now, now we're moving on. Crappy I was just brothers gonna in say, law. Mm-hmm. Just going to read through real quick um, uh, Hans Zimmer's, some of the stuff he's worked on, mm-hmm. and maybe ask one of you guys to bring up John Williams while I'm doing this. If anyone I got, cares I had, to. Oh, no, I had, I got John Williams up. So he's done, he's Dark Knight Rises, coming out yeah. soon, Madagascar 3, he's done oh, Kung good. Fu Panda 2, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, um, Rango, Inception, Megamind, The Pacific, Sherlock Holmes, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, uh, Frost and Nixon, uh, this is just all of recent here. Who uh, did Shrek? The first one. I don't know. Batman Begins, Shark Tale, King Arthur, The Last Samurai, Matchstick Men, Tears of the Sun, The Ring, Thelma and Louise, The Last Journey. That movie. He's that all over the board, isn't he? Pearl Seriously. Harbor, Hannibal. <laughs> so he's done an, an incredible amount of uh, Mission Impossible 3. Gladiator. He did Gladiator. Yeah. He's extremely versatile. And I, now I wonder if John Williams. He's got some bonkers ones. Is He's got some weird that, ones. Right? Uh, I mean, without Piranha going. 3D. I mean, without going all over the board. I mean, obviously, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Sabrina, Nixon Sleepers, uh, Seven Years in Tibet, Amistad, uh, Saving Pride Ryan, Stepmom. Um, all, there's a Star lot of Spielberg Wars. movies. Oh, in yeah. There. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, The Patriot, AI, Harry Potter, Minority Report, Harry Potter, Catch Me If You Can, which I love that soundtrack. Oh, that that's a great one. Yeah. That one's fantastic. I could probably, I could, yeah, I could. That one I could sing too. Uh, there's like eight Spielberg movies that he I just. Know. I mean, War of the Worlds, the Terminal. There's, there's Nine, also people. Ten. Uh, <laughs> there's also people that have their Munich, their, eleven um, style that you can pick out. Yeah, like uh, who does Tim Burton's all the time? Uh, Danny, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. I think he Danny gets Elfman. a little undercredited because I think he's also got a. Really, but he, Danny Elfman really has good. come out with some stuff recently that doesn't sound at all like Danny Elfman. He did, wa- really he did the Wanted soundtrack, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He he also did, wrote the theme songs for The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the uh, Spider Man two, uh, Spider Man I think as well. Spider Man two, like the yes. uh, the Tobey Maguire ones, not yeah. the <coughs> the the remake coming out. Yeah. When does the remake come out, by the way? The summer. No. Dan Camp's yeah. going to be posting on Facebook right now. <laughs> it's coming out on t- <laughs> When are we getting oh, Dan nice. on the show, by the way? We need as soon as he stops working 40-hour week. I mean, 40 hours. 40? Whoa. 40-hour days. <laughs> wow. Days. Oh, no, wow. 2012. Sorry, guys. Exactly. Sorry, guys. 40-hour week's really cutting into my 97 time. days a month. <laughs> <laughs> Two so, days a year. Jack, because you've been suspiciously quiet this uh, this evening, I know you're not feeling too well. Jackie's I'm putting you right on the spot, Jackie. So, um, I'm just letting you guys go at it. We uh, there's a, something that happened. I believe it was like maybe two, three weeks ago. There was an employee that was fairly high up at Google mm-hmm. that left, and he left under some rocky circumstances, from what I understand. And he wrote a uh, letter describing his his exit and his feelings about the company. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I took from the the pre-show conversation as I'm the only one who thought this was interesting. But the interesting well, parts that the interesting part to me is that the the company that we know as Google is uh, at least in circles that I tend to to run in feel that it's it's a uh, the holy grail of places to work. You get the free lunch. You get <laughs> it's got the best you get work sleeping areas. You get those, those cubes rooms. and those the little, twenty uh, the twenty percent rule is huge and amazing. Office. 
Um, so so good that it 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 doesn't always make the Forbes top 100 list at least high up on the list, but but it's still like amazing and people still talk about it as being two or three. I think is it two or three right now? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, is it still high up there? I think yeah. it's been up there consistently. This, this for guy, this this guy, this guy sort of came out to say that it, it and this was his dream job at one point. Um, he had left Microsoft to go work with them with the hopes of uh, of getting to 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 work on some research and development on some really cool stuff that maybe Microsoft wasn't letting him do. And the reality came through that that's not really their MO. I mean, they're a company. They're there to make money, which, fair enough, that's what it is. But his illusions were broke. Uh, and uh, with that, he went back to Microsoft and uh, wrote, wrote long, this letter. How long was he there? Five years? Yeah, something, so, something, reason, something like that. It was, it was enough time to, yeah. to make a, you know, to make, make a, a legit a, opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like four days. I think I was it's, there for like, uh, like it's four days. interesting because, like, when we were just talking about Google uh, Glass right early on the show, like, they seem like they promote. I mean, and we always we talked about Google Cars last week. They seems like they promote themselves incredibly well as an innovative company, for sure. Right. And I think the <laughs> thing that I took away from this guy's article was uh, everything that's done in the company. You know, every single thing is just to support the ad business, the advertising business. I think that's the the portion of it that surprised me. And I think if you look at a lot of the products that they're developing, they are investigating where ads fit in and all of those things. Pop ups right? on those damn glasses are gonna suck balls. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. Scrolling I mean, ads on every single <laughs> looking at a coat and it's like, well you could get this coat here. For find this it cheaper for here. Find it cheaper here. Are you cold? Here are blankets. <laughs> <laughs> but is, part of that guy's rant was how he couldn't believe, you know, that they were spending and worrying so much about like advertising and, you know, and not being this innovative company, mm. which they claim to be. Yeah, they, they, they claim to be. And one thing that stood out to me in that article that actually does make complete sense is how Facebook, because that was the big thing, Google and Facebook, like they just, those two people, <laughs> Google could not understand at the same time how big Facebook was getting. And one thing, too, that whoever the, one of the head guys at Google. Sergey. Larry Page, one something like that. Uh, he was saying how um, he can't believe that any company that was huge, like massively, was letting another company put their name before them. Because when you go to Facebook and like, he, I think he used like Nike for example. You go to Facebook dot com slash Nike. You don't go to Nike dot com slash Facebook. You have Facebook in front yeah. of the name. Before the actual, you know, company that is this multi-billion-dollar company, so he was just like saying that they couldn't figure out how they were able to do that, and that Google wasn't. Is that really intelligence in design, or is that just hey, this is how HTML works? Like you have a website <laughs> called Facebook.com, and then every page that's created gets a subcategory under that. But the thing is, how much you are. Uh, partnering with this company of going like i'm going to let you be in front of us like nike is saying facebook is important enough to me that that it's not nike.com slash facebook to see our facebook page i, I think it's a, a, a take it outside of the nerdy yeah i know how internet works and i know how to go to facebook but it's it's from saying, an advertising it's from an advertising saying like literally have. nike is valuing facebook to the point where our page is facebook.com slash nike not you know, you see, it, you get it the other way where 
everybody knows Nike.com, you want to see our social media page, you go to Nike.com slash Facebook. Yeah. And that was, that was apparently like, you know, this huge thing that they didn't get that and that they wanted to do. And that's why they were so behind with, excuse me, because with everything, because that's the thing. Google is behind. They come out with an idea because they want to tap into this market, but they just seem like an afterthought. They're behind Google in Plus, some some things, not all things. I would I would argue. I, in I some would things. argue saying ninety percent of things. I would disagree with that. Facebook's search engine is not great. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not. Like, I go to Facebook.com and I like, I'm yeah. like, how many? You know, what's the lowest elevation in Utah? And it just brings me people that live in Utah. And I'm like. Now I got to ask them. Well, I'm not talking about just with Google <laughs> and and Facebook. I'm talking about Google just trying to tap into yeah, social no, no, media totally, stuff. Totally. Oh, you know, just social media. Or, yeah. Plus, kicked ass. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, they do a great job as search engine. They do a fucking wonderful job with maps and stuff like that. You know, YouTube. They they, they are these things. YouTube they, did a good yeah, job with they, YouTube. They bought. They bought. That. They <laughs> yeah, but they bought they, YouTube and turned it into something truly amazing. It wasn't YouTube was interesting by itself, but when it got Google, that's where it really took off. Didn't how long ago did they buy it? Didn't what's his name um, Murdoch five buy years ago? Them first. Who? What's his name Murdoch? Um, Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Didn't he buy? I thought he bought, or was that MySpace? I'm thinking of he I bought my, he bought MySpace. He bought that was MySpace. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Never mind. But I mean, you know, with you know Google's trying to be like you know Twitter, so they were doing Buzz. Ugh. Fucking failed. They're trying to be this innovative, you know, chat system. You know, I definitely, with, I definitely with agree with you. Wave failed. They're trying to do Google Plus, and they're trying to do this social thing. That's what those. It's, it's not failed yet, but it's certainly it, they're, not sh- they're shutting it down, though, right? I mean, everybody got those emails. That's, right? that's Wave. Oh, that's, that's Wave. wave. Yeah, wave. No, I'm I they're saying Plus was going down. No, they're still trying to do Plus. I definitely uh, agree with you about anything social media related. Google 100%. is 100% behind the ball. But and that all is that what they're trying to get their revenue from now because, yes, they are an advertising company. That is what they do. But anything outside of that, they are just – they're behind. They're trying to be – this innovative company, but they're just behind with everything. What I what I took from the story, the, the subcontext, and why I wanted to bring it up on the show, had nothing to do even with that. Had to do with the bigger thing of, is there? And this goes out to you guys: is there? Was there ever a job that you had such high expectations going in, like this was your dream job, or this is where you wanted to work your whole life? You got the <laughs> chance to get there, and it was shit, or it wasn't what you thought, and you That's know it, it, tur- it turned out bad. Stripping? Stripping was not the dream job I thought I was going to do. <laughs> but the money's so good. Exactly. It's so good. Yeah, it was mediocre. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have one story really quick, a side note. I have a, a friend of mine that used to be a, a male exotic you know, dancer, if you will. Just more me to love, buddy. The great, we have video now, so but everybody knows what we all look like, just so we're clear. <laughs> yes, so now. I had hair back then. <laughs> so he, uh, he went to kind of a... I think it was a bachelor party. I'm trying to remember. Bachelor, bachelorette. <laughs> okay, party. thank God. <laughs> and they were a bunch of female strippers, and they had hired him. And so sounds like a lot of pressure. Yeah. So they basically they he went to the place. You know, they shut the door and just locked it and stuff. And he was just like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, just so you know, we're all strippers here. We're, like, we're all you. you know female strippers and everything like that. So you know, we know what's going on." FYI, we're going to pay you really well. We're going to tip you very well, but we are just going to completely fuck with you. <laughs> and basically what it, what it was was, you know, they 
would sit there and, you know, he would be, you know, they'd get him on the ground or something and, and do stuff. And the goal. Do stuff? Well, let me sit, let me tell you. Like, they would lay down and the goal was who can get him excited first oh my gosh. by just doing all of these things to him. Sounds and, really and, awkward. Yeah. But sounds awesome. Like the best I mean, it kind of sounds like best. Just, I'm going to get paid <laughs> for you to make me feel yeah. good. Have Twig? we just become nerdtastic in 3D after dark? After dark. <laughs> but yeah, so that, I'm sorry. So stripping. I'm sure you didn't have any of those stories. <laughs> no. No. All stripping. fatties. All f- <laughs> this is what I want. Hey, fat I mean, girls need love too. I, I mean, the, the, the second you kind of brought up gracious. the Google thing, the first thing I thought of was uh, we all know. I mean, in, Jason works at Disney Feature, and, and we know some some people that work at Disney animation side. And I just – the vibes I get is it's just you drink the Kool-Aid. You know, it's like, no, but this is great. I love working for this company. It doesn't matter. I know it's shit, but I love working for this company. Wife, I work for Google. My wife's the best example. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ever. Like, we got a friend. I mean, she's a, you know, a coordinator, a, a PM now, and – just as constantly complaining about it, and yet she's she's still there, still <laughs> there, probably there now. Was there on the weekend? Uh, I think the will be there next weekend, <laughs> and <laughs> probably the weekends after that. And it's just like it, you value the idea of working for that company more than I value. What about uh, Top Gear? Uh, it comes and goes, ebbs and flows. It's not as as constantly miserable, and I get to drive some. Bitching cars, so <laughs> I will. I will say the pros outweigh, outweigh the cons. The cons. I don't know, Absolutely, I mean, we we all work in jobs that I think we enjoy, but everyone understands that work is work sometimes. Sure. It just yeah. sucks sometimes. Definitely. Top Gear wasn't that. a dream, though. You, no, you had, I, you I, hadn't I didn't go through life to saying going, I want to work. I can't wait gear. to work. That's Absolutely, what I'm getting yeah. at. Have, have you no. been able to work for whoever your dream no. company was, and has it lived up to your expectations? No, I've had two. I've had. Uh, DreamWorks and I've had Disney and I would say that I'm not going to tell you which is which but I will say that one of them uh, definitely met my expectations and and I would say exceeded them and one of them has has not met my expectations or during that time would not have met my expectations I'm not going to tell you which was which <laughs> I have to say mine kind of did because you know for those that have just you know listening haven't heard the the past ones we've talked about what we've done um i when i was a kid i always wanted to my dream was to make a video game and you know based off of a commercial for sega and you know when i got my first job it was for 2k sports which was sega 2k sports so Mm. technically i got to work for the company that i always dreamed about doing Mm. working for so right there, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm working at making a video game. Blew right your now. load way too soon. Yeah. I totally <laughs> blew my load at, you know, 22 years old. And so I, I'm sitting there, and, you know, when, when I showed up to the place, you know, I, when I showed up to my interview, I was wearing, you know, a shirt, a tie, you know, and, and everything, <laughs> trying to be, like, professional yeah. I got there and I walked in and people just kind of looked at me like, what does this guy do? This you know, douche. everybody else is just like in jeans and shorts and flip flops. Their feet are up on the desks and stuff like that, playing games, yelling at each other about some game last night. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? This is awesome. <laughs> you know, and then it, they had, um, you know, the vending machines and stuff and, and, and the kitchens. And I'm just like, well, OK, you know, I got hired and. 
But then when I, you know, I got showed around even more, it was just like that we had like the game rooms, <laughs> and then we had, you know, all I, of these. Wait, a game company had game rooms? Yeah. Wow. Laundry. We actually, you know, we had like this whole game room thing, and then we had the game library, which is all the games for just so many systems Fruit that cocktails. you can just go and, and check out and play, Rippers. and I'm just like, this game, this place is amazing! You know, and, and then you totally started working. And then you started working. No, no, and, and, it, and it stayed amazing till you left. <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely. It <laughs> no, had, this is my point. Yeah. I'm not talking about day one when yeah. you got your yeah, hire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about your experience while you worked at this place. Did it live up to the dream? Yeah, it lived up to the dream in terms of I, I wasn't unhappy. Me personally, just because of the fact of you know I excelled at that company pretty quickly, and I excelled at that company, you know, in in a good way to where. I didn't leave on bad terms, and yeah. you know it was a little rough because I I got hired at the bottom, and, and I know some of us definitely have experienced it. When you get hired at the bottom and you try to climb that corporate ladder, it's a tall ladder. It's very tall, and it's very you're like I'm doing this with this person that you know I'm doing the exact same thing, if not even better, and I'm getting paid a third of what they are getting paid. You know, I know it's paying your dues, and I know it's that. So that was really the only thing that was kind of frustrating. When it, when it came to that company, but, you know, everybody was really cool, and I left going, like, I would definitely work there again, but then I experienced even better places. Sure. You know, so I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I really want to go back there again now. I, I want to riff off of what Sean said, uh, qualify my statement with, what while I think one of the places that I've worked was great and met my expectations, that's certainly, there's valleys and peaks, right? Every job has its moments where it's, like, it's sucky. But I think it's, you leave or you 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 know, look back at a time period, you know, if you're still at a place, you look back at a time period and you say, has this from A to B been an incredible experience or has it been a positive or a negative experience or where does it meet in that expectation? So I think it's important to recognize, Josh, like I'm sure as great as 2K Sports was, there were certainly sucky moments. Oh, definitely. But there were a lot more awesome moments or awesome perks than there were low moments. Yes, definitely. I've only had, actually, I've only had one, and again, this is speaking to this industry, um, I've only had one place where it's been, eh, I wouldn't go back and do that again. <laughs> right. You know? So, gentlemen, I believe it's that time. Is that that time? We should start wrapping things up. Jack's turning into a pumpkin. <laughs> we gotta get you home. Cinderella, <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Nerdtastic in 3D. This has been episode number 20. Bente. Again, guys, congratulations oh, for making it. You know what in any other languages? Uh, <laughs> that's a no. Wow. 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 Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I am Jason Carter. To my left is... Adam McFarland. Jack Eckman. Just the rocks. We again are Nerdtastic in 3D. Thank you so much for listening. And we're out. Good night. Boy. Nerdtastic. 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 Nerdtastic.